1: Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 84. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Cazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. And oh boy, Dave, do we have a jam-packed show for you guys today. Today's about the Arthurs, Arthur Smith and Art Rooney II, as he spoke to the media on Monday. That would have been the big topic of the show today, but... Just coming across Tuesday afternoon, shortly after noontime, Pittsburgh Steelers hiring Arthur Smith to be their next offensive coordinator, former Falcons head coach, and so that has kept us very busy over the last twenty-four hours. So, Dave, how you doing? Have we survived at all? It's been a, it's been a whirlwind the last couple of days.
0: Yeah, uh, we have uh, we have definitely been busy and stretched in obviously with uh, uh, staffers uh, you know in Dallas and Mobile for the Shrine and Senior Bowl. We hope everybody's enjoying the coverage there. We're not going to talk too much about uh, uh, Senior Bowl or Shrine Bowl stuff until uh, we get these good these, these peeps back home and get them on the pod and all like that. But uh, definitely check out the site to uh, and, and, and Twitter and uh, get up to date on everything that's going on in those two. All Star Games, Alex. We have uh, Happy Wednesday. We have uh, white smoke coming out of the uh, <laughs> uh, out of the South Side uh, facility. Uh, this is warning, warning, warning. This is probably going to be a long show today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about here uh, already. We'll have a lot to talk about in the coming shows about uh, Arthur Smith and all. But uh, why don't you open it up, uh, Alex, by getting that, the, the minor housekeeping kind of out of the way so we can get into the, uh, the good stuff here.
1: Sure, we're going to do a deep dive into Arthur Smith, what he can offer the Pittsburgh Steelers, and recap Art Rooney's comments, some of which are less relevant now that the OC search has been wrapped up. But just to get some of the the background stuff out of the way before it gets buried at the back of this podcast, a couple quick things: the other candidates Pittsburgh interviewed in this OC process also have their destinations. Thomas Brown, former Panthers OC, going to Chicago to be their pass game coordinator. Gerard Johnson, the Texans quarterback coach, staying, remaining the Texans quarterback coach, staying with O.C. Bobby Slowick down there in Houston. And also one important scouting note, Dave Pettit, longtime Steelers scout, currently or previously, I should say, the assistant director of pro scouting, been with Pittsburgh for 20 years. He has now left the organization. His contract expired uh, before the draft, which to me is a little unusual. But uh, he is now a free agent and will go somewhere else. And so that was a surprising piece of news to learn on top of all else we've learned the last two days.
0: He got tired of Alex Gazzard tracking his butt down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was the main reason. That was verbatim.
0: Uh, But, uh, yeah, interesting news there. And, uh, you know, good for the Texans. Uh, They kept slow it, too,
1: right? They did for at least twenty twenty four. So I thought those guys would be a uh, head coach and coordinator somewhere. They both stay. That is huge for the Texans.
0: Sure is, sure is. Uh, okay, uh, any other housekeeping before we uh, before we get into this thing?
1: I think that's it. Like you said, we'll cover more Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl later this week when the crew comes back on and gets back home to talk about that. They've done a great job overall, but let's just dive right on in Dave here. Arthur Smith, Pittsburgh Steelers, new OC, signing a three-year deal, not been made official by the team as of 10 a.m. on Wednesday. That's probably going to come within the next day or two at the latest, but Arthur Smith will be the new OC, officially replacing Matt Canada and replacing the interim people in uh, Eddie Faulkner, who did carry the title of interim OC, and Mike Sullivan, the play caller, they are both currently still on staff. Will that change? Will they go somewhere else? Sullivan getting some NFL attention. We'll talk about that. But bottom line, Davis, Arthur Smith, we talked about it Monday. Like he was the going to be the guy, and now he is the guy.
0: Yeah. Let's uh. Let's start with this uh first and foremost uh, we're going to talk a lot about Arthur Smith today and I think uh, Alex has has a great great post up uh, this morning on Steelers Depot uh the big book on Arthur Smith he put a lot of time into it uh everything you need to know uh it's comprehensive it's not uh it's not a selling a post or a talk off the ledge uh, uh, type uh, post or anything like that. It's just, you know, who, what, what we know or what Alex knows about him. Uh, we obviously did a lot of research last couple of days on him. Uh, so that's first and foremost, if you get a chance, uh, uh, run by and, and cause we, we won't obviously be able to cover everything, uh, in this podcast that Alex, you know, at least in detail that Alex has in that post, but get, get by and, 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 and try to read that if you have a chance there, uh, Look, uh, people are going to have their opinions, good and bad about this. Uh, a lot of people, uh, and, and, and it's understandable seem to be, you know, underwhelmed. Uh, this isn't the exciting, uh, hire. It's not Kubiak. It's, uh. Uh, you know, obviously with Arthur Smith coming out of the, the the Falcons program, being head coach there for the last three season at three seasons, and and not having a lot of success there, uh, as, as a whole, top to bottom, offensively, that's got people uh turning their nose up at Phil. You know, it's this is this is obviously going to be framed as a very, uh, kind of status quo, bland, uninspiring uh, uh, hiring, if you will. I, I get it, uh, you know, get it out of your system. Now send us the email, send us the tweets. You hate it. You know, uh, you love it. What are they doing? W- we get it, but not, yo, there's, there's, and I, I think I kind of speak for Alex, uh, neither one of us are, are on the parade committee, uh, uh, when it comes to this thing, but it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it it is happening. It's going to happen. It sounds like this is going to be a three three year deal here. Uh, however, you feel about it is absolutely fine. Uh, as we said here today, what what we like to do now is not you know get into. Oh, you know, doom or gloom, or this is fantastic, or or anything like this. Our job now, or what we and what what this site and, and podcast is built on, is okay. Here's here's what we're dealing with. Uh, let's let's try to get people prepared to what they may or may not see. Uh, whether or not you know the 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 obstacles and the chores involved in you know, making this hopefully what everybody hopes is a successful three years for him in, in Pittsburgh and kind of outlying, you know, everything involved in this. Uh, once again, you know, uh, the last thing that I think that, that you're going to get out of this at least podcast today is us trying to sell anybody on anything here. We just want to let everyone know what we have uncovered uh, with Arthur Smith and what we expect and the. the the chore, really, the long list of chores uh, that I think, and and probably Alex as well uh, uh, thinks as well too uh, of, of, of uh, you know the the chores that Alex uh, uh, or Arthur Smith is going to have. I'm going to call him Alex Smith. I know uh, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to trying to implement what we think he's going to try to implement in Pittsburgh. So uh, with that opening out of the way, do you have anything to add there?
1: No, I was just going to say before we talk about or anyone kind of gets to do you like the hire or not, you have to learn about the hire, or learn about who Arthur Smith is, what his philosophy is, what we expect him to teach and how we think this offense will look. And that goes for myself and probably you before we decide good hire, bad hire, you know, got to learn about who the hire is and get as much detail on that before any sort of conclusions get made. And ultimately, what it comes down to is does the offense produce? Do they score points? Do they win games? If they do, it's a good hire. If it doesn't happen, it's a bad hire. It's a results-oriented business. But other thought, and I'm sure we're in agreement here, not on the parade committee, not on the surprise committee. I think of the three names they interviewed, Smith was clearly their favorite from the moment we knew they were talking to him.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the next place where, uh, where we should go here. Uh, why was Arthur Smith... Uh, the choice here, uh, uh, especially when it when it comes to the three uh, that they that they interviewed here. Uh, and I think you can kind of roll in a few comments that uh, that Art Rooney said the other day here. Uh, my uh, uh, my analysis analysis and observation of why Arthur Smith was the choice here. Uh, and this, you can you can add in some things. Mike Thomas said they wanted someone with some, with 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 uh, offensive coordinator experience and play calling experience. He checks that box there. Second, uh, this team is 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 married to you know a lot of their personnel on the offensive side of the football. Now, does that mean uh, that we won't see some additions to the offensive side of football via? you know, either the draft or free agency. I mean, that's obviously going to happen. Uh, It will be, it will be, you know, uh, bits and pieces. So you're not going to see a full blown change there. Uh, I think Art Rooney gave you enough when he talked the other day to the media, uh, especially when he referenced two headed monster at the running back uh, position. Uh, I think that was a core takeaway from what Art Rooney uh, had to say there. They know they have two uh, quality uh, backs in Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They want to try to build around that. We also have seen personnel-wise what this team uh, has uh, as far as a tight end position goes. Pat uh, 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 uh Darnell Washington, and obviously uh, Connor Hayward. That's the second piece of the puzzle there. Third... Uh, I think we, you know, this team, I I think this move indicates that we have got to help, help our quarterback here uh, out by being able to run the football, run the football effectively, and then build our passing Mm -hmm. game. Uh, off of that's very that that is a key key component here is building our passing game off what we hope is going to be a successful running game here. Uh, so if you want to know why Arthur Smith uh, is the guy, uh, I mean, really plain and simple. And I wrote about this last night, I didn't want to, I knew kind of what the direction Alex was going to go. In a couple of these posts today and probably the next few days here. So I didn't want to dive too deep into in, in, in his stunder there. But I think if you roll back to 2019 and 2020 specifically, and look, we're not, you know, there's no pass here for what has happened in the past uh, uh, three seasons in Atlanta. But if you want to know the truth, why he got the job in Atlanta as the head coach, it is because of what he did in those two seasons uh, with the Tennessee Titans there. And uh, they ran the football, they ran the football effectively. They were able to take uh, an aging uh, pedigree quarterback in Ryan Tannehill in his first two years there and basically got his best two years out of him. Uh, They're building the passing game off of the running game uh, there. And, that was the core. They were able to put up points. Uh, in fact, the second year, they had an increase of like five point something uh, points per game average over uh, a respectable 25 point something number in 2019 uh, there. They were obviously, you know, near the tops of the league in, 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 in run game success and everything metrics related to that, uh, their passing game. Uh, They were able to effectively build off of their running game. Now the sack, rate in 2019 was, was the last in the league, uh, uh, not great in 2019. They were able to improve that in 2020, but uh, backing up here and, and, uh, you know, it's starting to ramble there, but uh, backing it up here, what he was able to accomplish in Tennessee in 2019 and 2020 effectively got him the job in Atlanta and, based on what the Steelers are personnel-wise on offense right now and the quarterback situation that they have right now, effectively what he did in 2019 and 2020 got him the job in Pittsburgh. Your
1: thoughts? And that's the calculation Pittsburgh is making, that you're going to get Arthur Smith, the OC, that he was in Tennessee, as opposed to the results that were poor in Atlanta as head coach. And so that's what Pittsburgh will be banking on what it comes down to is you said two things, the experience of play calling. I don't want to get too broad immediately about the overall search, but they only interviewed three people, one of which was Gerard Johnson, who had never called plays before, one of which was Thomas Brown, who called plays for about half a season in Carolina this past year. It did not go well, in part for a lot of reasons, including a lack of talent in Carolina, and then Arthur Smith, who has been a, you know, true play caller for several seasons. And so that resume sticks out above the rest. And then you use the word twice, I think it's the key word of all, build. That Pittsburgh wants to build off of what they've built so far and continue to do that, not tear this thing down, not have a radical difference in offensive philosophy. Stylistically, Arthur Smith does do different things than Pittsburgh's done previously, and we'll talk about those crucially, but kind of the big-picture thought of let's run the ball, let's have play action, let's move the launch point, let's utilize quarterback mobility – those are things that fit with what Pittsburgh has been working and building towards. And their goal is Smith can build it up upon that.
0: Now, without a doubt, uh, and, and, uh, Alex has uncovered a nice video. Uh, I think he has linked in this post you now. If you get an hours of, uh, of time and want to view it with an open mind, it is a great watch because supposedly Arthur Smith doesn't let too many people in, uh, uh, to kind of look, you know, philosophy wise, what he is now, obviously now in today's analytics and numbers and sports info solutions and, and all the, the stuff that you can find on the internet, it's not hard to paint a picture based on the last five years of what he has done. But to hear some of the things come out of his mouth, uh, it was a great find and it's a great watch overall, but, uh, you have to go into it with, uh, pretending that, you know, nothing about him. And then, 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 then kind of going from there, uh, Derek Henry, uh, I have tweeted this over the years, numerous times, uh, when it comes to a back his size and the way that guy runs for a guy, his size. I mean, it is like watching, uh, You know, I, I know a lot of, I know you're not into horse racing. I I like to watch the ponies, Alex, uh, uh, over the years and more so, especially since moving to Vegas, you know, several years ago there. I mean, that guy is like a thoroughbred horse Mm -hmm. when he, when he gets on a, on the hoof. And I don't mean that demeaning and comparing him, uh, that way, but I mean, just, you know, his build, and his structure and how he runs and his ability to not only power run, but I mean, this is a guy, how many times have we seen him go yard 60 or 70 yards or Mm -hmm. more uh, with, with, with just the way he's able to run away from people. It definitely helped Arthur Smith having a guy like Derrick Henry, especially those two years or, or yeah, two years in Tennessee. Now, if you looked at the numbers before, uh, uh, Arthur Smith was the OC, you know, he, you know, he had it, you know, two of his really better seasons there. Uh, 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 the two that, uh, Arthur Smith was the, uh, OC there and, uh, Ryan Tannehill, no one's ever going to, uh, accuse Ryan Tannehill of being a hall of fame, you know, quarterback and probably at best, I don't know, where would you have ranked him? prior to his time in in, in 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 Tennessee. Uh Alex, a top top fifteen quarterback?
1: You'd have to think back, but it didn't work out in Miami. He was a failed pick. He was there for a couple of years. They didn't immediately dump him, but he probably he was an average quarterback probably at his best.
0: All right. What Arthur Smith was able to do with that running game and and, and philosophies and all like that, he was able to get some pretty couple of pretty damn good seasons, uh, out of Ryan Tannehill through something like 50, something, 55 touchdown passes in mm-hmm. those two seasons, very minimal, uh, interceptions, uh, overall, A Comeback
1: uh, player of the year in his first year, right, 2019, right. he was voted uh, the league's comeback player of the year.
0: Right. So, uh, you know, uh, obviously had the pedigree is Ryan, is Ryan Tannehill, 2019, 2020 uh better than what the Steelers have at quarterback these last couple of years yes you know uh and here's the other thing here that I think is important for we even get uh deeper into this thing and and it's another thing kind of mixing in what Art Rooney uh said and and you know, I guess to 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 a point uh Mike Tomlin said uh this team for any of this to work for what Arthur Smith wants to do. And, and let's say he's able to implement some of the things he wants to do with the running game. We'll talk deeper about here and all. Uh, it's not going to matter. I don't think overall, unless as Art Rooney said, you know, they get better quarterback play. Uh, in this offense, because I don't care how good you run the football, how much you run the football, there are still times where you're going to have to throw the football and, uh, you're going to have to produce explosive plays. And then here's the other element when it comes to explosive plays and Arthur Smith, were they ever at the top of the league in explosive passing plays of 20 yards or more in those two seasons, uh, that he was at, uh, the OC at Tennessee. No, but they were, I think, 50, if, if you combine 2019 and 2020, I think they ranked 15th in the league as far as explosive passing plays go. That looks like <laughs> from what we've seen with this offense and the passing uh, offense. And boy, if, they, if he could come in in 2024 and get this offense in the middle of the league in passing explosive plays, Maybe maybe they should throw, 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 throw a parade there. But uh, uh, make no mistake about it, that that for any of this to work, it's still going to ro- revolve around uh, in, uh, you know, imp- improved quarterback play. Whoever that is, Kenny Pickett makes a Rudolph who whoever is under center.
1: Sure. When it's third and eight doesn't matter how well you run the football. Your quarterback has to deliver and move the sticks and convert. That's what it comes down to. But it is encouraging, although Smith does not have a you know, true quarterback coach background. He was an offensive lineman in college. He coached offensive line in Tennessee, coached tight, tight ends for a bunch of years. Um, the fact that Tannehill turned his career around, never became an all-star, but became a, a pretty good quarterback in the right fit. I think their hope is that, you know, what Tannehill became in 19 and 20, Kenny Pickett can become in 2024 and beyond.
0: Or if they got him there. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I, I think that's gotta be the goal, right? I mean, you, 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 you would like to see him have uh, Tannehill type, uh, seas, uh, you know, uh, seasons combined kind of there. Uh, as early as you can. Uh, If if they can get him to that, I think it'd be absolutely fantastic. And that's not going to be an easy chore.
1: And as you said, and as everyone recognized in Twitter, made the comment a hundred times yesterday, yes, Pittsburgh does not have Derrick Henry in that clinic that you referenced. There was a clip of Henry running 90 yards and even Smith quipped, I wish I could say that was coaching about the speed of Henry to finish that playoff. It wasn't, it's, it's Derrick Henry, but Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh could run the football, like not at that degree, not with the explosive, you know, thoroughbredness, as you kind of alluded to, but they can run the football with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. They have two talented backs that can make plays. So um, there's still talent. And every OC of course benefits from having talent and the right personnel and good players. Rarely does an OC who have has success and has production is completely lacking talent. Usually there's somebody, a quarterback, a running back, receiver, a combination thereof of guys that are making plays. So there's always, you know, the the vision and the scheme, but there's the execution as well. And that's when players come in. So yes, he had a fantastic in his prime Derrick Henry. Pittsburgh does not have that, but I think there's still a track record that the Pittsburgh and, and an expectation that the Steelers will run the ball, run the ball effectively, and Smith is capable of designing a run game that can work.
0: All right. Talk uh, real quickly about kind of his lineage and, uh, you know, the, you know, kind of uh, the the tutelage that uh, Arthur Smith has had.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And it's all laid out in the article I wrote this morning. You mentioned earlier the big book on Arthur Smith, Everything You Need to Know. Um, First job in the NFL was with Washington with Joe Gibbs. And he's mentioned Gibbs as a mentor and a heavy influence on him, even post Washington coaching days, he was only there for two years, uh, spent most of his time in Tennessee, got hired by Mike Munchak in 2011, initially a defensive guy in terms of a quality control coach. Then Munchak advised him to flip to the offensive side of the football, became tight ends coach and worked up his ranks to become OC in 2019. What I thought was most interesting about his tenure in Tennessee was he survived four different head coaching regimes. There was the Mike Munchak era, the Ken Wisenhut era the Mike Malarkey era and the Mike Rabel era. Hey, there's a bunch of ex Steelers in there and in, right. in Munchak, Wisenhunt and Malarkey also worked on staff during his time there with Dick LeBeau, with the Shea Townsend. So there's a lot of like Steelers influences and people who were in that Tennessee building, but rarely do you see a coach get held over and carried over by four different coaches. I mean, that just does not happen. It speaks to some level about the job that he did, how he was valued and perceived. And, Malarkey personally called Mike Rabel twice once when Rabel first got the job to convince him to keep Arthur Smith on staff as the tight ends coach. And then once Matt LaFleur left to become the head coach in Green Bay, Malarkey called Rabel again and said, hey, make Arthur Smith the OC. That's the guy that you want running the offense. And he did and was proven right because of it. So there's a reputation for his work ethic, um, his, his desire, commitment, and, and just kind of really being a football type of dude. To to survive four different coaching regimes, I'm not sure if any other coach that I can think of has done that before.
0: All right, good point. And I think you have brought up uh, uh, you brought up Malarkey uh, in a, in a previous post as well, too, right?
1: Yeah, just kind of comparing. You know, feels like this is the new age Mike Malarkey hire. And the more I learn, the more I think that's applicable. And they had a pretty good relationship, Malarkey and and Smith. Um, I think are pretty close and there's probably an app comparison in terms of vision and style and personality between those two guys. All
0: right. Uh, it, you know, I, I, I kind of view that view that uh, planning on going as kind of an, an, an introduction introduction uh, there. Uh, do you, is there anything? And when we, we got to the, the likely why uh, he's the Steelers offensive coordinator. Now we got into kind of uh, the history and, uh uh and specifically you know uh the success that he had in Tennessee for those two years, which led to him obviously being the head coach in atlanta and then you know realistically why he's uh the uh offensive coordinator in of Pittsburgh net now, now that we got that out of the way a do you have anything to add to any of that and b shall we get into what we what he has liked to do, what he has done, and what he's likely to do in 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 Pittsburgh uh, philosophy schematically.
1: Just one last quick note on kind of the person. So many players have spoken very highly of Arthur Smith, the man, and some of the close relationships that he's had. Uh, Taylor Lewan very close with him has spoken extremely highly of Arthur Smith. Even when I think Smith got fired in Atlanta. I don't think there were too many players or rumors or rumblings about, you know, bad things being said about Arthur Smith. It it didn't go well. They were seven and 10 in three straight years and they kind of collapsed down the stretch in 2023 Atlanta did. But even then, I don't recall hearing, you know, any kind of, you know, side or snarky comments kind of taking glee in Smith being um, fired. And there's, there's a reputation he has for being really humble. His dad is Frederick Smith, who, Founded FedEx. And so he's worth $6 billion. And the story is that Smith really never talked about that and didn't have that kind of spoiled rich kid attitude. And Malarkey told the story one time of working with Smith for months and had no idea who his dad was until he heard players mentioning it one day. And that's how he found out. So, if whatever that's worth, he has a reputation of being really humble and and a hard worker and somebody who's really kind of climbed the ladder from grad assistant at North Carolina in 2006 to head coach. In Atlanta for the past three seasons so does that mean he'll be a successful OC in Pittsburgh no but it just gives you a background on who the person is and maybe why Pittsburgh gravitated towards him when they interviewed him
0: all right good
1: points so, Dave, schematically, I think the number one question, and we had this conversation Monday, but it's worth diving into even more today, is what does the run game look like? As I said earlier, I think big picture, there's alignment in terms of vision, wanting to run the ball, marrying pass game off of that, play pass, things like that. But stylistically, you know, Smith is a wide zone guy. And that goes back to those Joe Gibbs roots in, in Washington and the zone personality, outside zone, wide zone, whatever you want to call it. And we know in Pittsburgh, while their run scheme is varied and they've run outside zone, they've run some wide zone, they found a lot of success last year, in particular with their gap scheme, their power scheme. And the question is, how much of that will we see in Pittsburgh? And if he wants to implement a a more heavy, wide zone system, how well will that work in Pittsburgh? To me, that is the most critical question in determining how successful this thing goes with Arthur Smith.
0: I would agree, and we have talked a lot about, uh, you know, how he is zone-based guy overall. I pulled uh, from uh, Sports Info Solutions. I mean, not 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 that we needed it, but it's just numbers to help back it up here uh, of his two years specifically uh, 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 with the Titans. There, and look, he opens up that 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 video. How, when was that video recorded? He did it with the North Carolina uh, I guess coaching staff there. And I, I guess it was, it was right after he took over as the Atlanta Falcons head coach, right?
1: Yeah. I believe this would have been sometime in the summer ish of 2021.
0: And he opens right up talking about, you know, outside zone and wide zone and, uh, how, how that was, you know, you know, foundation of what he does. And when you look at the, the, the two years specifically, uh, two seasons specifically in Tennessee. Uh, and you look at the running plays and how they're labeled as, as far as the type of runs go on Sports Info Solutions. 227 outside zone runs uh, with, with Tennessee in those two seasons. Next up was uh, inside zone at 149. So we're already up to 300 and I don't know, 76 uh, count of plays over two seasons in, in the running game of either outside zone and inside zone. And with outside zone obviously being heavy. Uh, in addition to that, next up is uh, kind of the lead uh, uh, concept at 145 uh, pitch uh, is a distant fourth and realistically, when you think about a pitch that, that usually works outside the tackles, right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, next up. And look, uh, when you get into film and you start watching some of these things, could some of this stuff be mislabeled? Absolutely. But I, I, I think the takeaway here, uh, 89 pitches in, 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 uh, pitch runs in two seasons there at Tennessee next up the stretch play here. Uh, you know, you think back of Peyton Manning, uh, in those years with the Colts, running that stretch. You know, uh, sixty-one times uh, there. So another thing that kind of works towards the outside, uh, 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 of the field generally. There,
1: I'm curious though, how do they differentiate stretch and wide zone, outside zone? To me, those are pretty yeah, layered, similar and, concepts.
0: And that's why uh, you know, without and and. Thankfully, and I have, obviously I haven't had time to do this. Uh, thankfully, when you click on some of these numbers, they give you the play-by-play mm-hmm. uh, okay. there. So uh, those are not questions that we're going to be able to answer right now. But it, it I, I tell you, it gives us plenty of homework to do <laughs> to going and looking of how SIS uh, qualifies these. Uh, we can go to the individual plays and look at them and. Uh, disseminate from there. So uh, I'm just giving you core numbers here overall. Uh, Next up on the list, uh, right after stretch at 61 is the duo. And he talks a lot about duo uh, 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 being a concept that they like to run there. I kind of thought that I'd find more of that to me, that the way he talks about duo in that video, would lead you to believe that that and look this is another thing. Some inside people, you know, some people mm-hmm. will, will, will confuse inside zone with duo, right?
1: Yeah, it's the old joke. What is an inside zone or duo? To me, I think they're pretty clearly different based on the track of the line, but that's kind of the old running joke in football Twitter circles.
0: All right, something uh, that will prevent me from probably taking uh, quite a few uh, showers, uh, uh, cold showers here. Power uh, fifty eight just 58 power runs uh, in, 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 in two seasons there uh, at, at Tennessee Uh, you get past that. I mean, the next, the next three uh, uh, highest uh, total run types. Once you get past the outside zone, inside zone, lead pitch, stretch, duo and power are all quarterback type runs. Scramble 54, Quarterback Neal, 32. Boy, I'd like to see a lot of quarterback (laughs) Neal downs uh, 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 in in, in Pittsburgh. And then quarterback design runs at 19. And then you get past that, those two seasons. Zone counter, counter at 14 and 11. Quarterback sneak, nine. Not a lot. of. If you don't like jet sweeps, you're going to love Arthur Smith only eight jet sweeps in two seasons at Tennessee and then it, it, it kind of filters down there below 10 in each of those there so uh here's the main takeaway here uh and, and he says as much in this video he likes to get uh he likes to blow he likes to get these offensive linemen off the line uh knocking people back uh and he likes to do so with 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 kind of the outside zone uh this stretch. Uh, things that get out on the edge. And for people that are not not familiar with outside zone, you know, kind of, you know, uh, uh, view it, especially on a defensive side of football and trying to defend it. It's like a course line. Uh you get those guys moving in unison. You try to get someone who thinks they can turn something back in to create to create a gap. It's up to the running back to kind of uh 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 tote the line, if you will, uh as he's as he's working towards the outside, uh find the gap find the crease and hit it. Uh, uh, good, good. If you remember back to who was it? Dar- uh, Darren McFadden, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, always when it, when I started to learn more about concepts and outside zone and stuff like that, I remember watching a lot of, uh, Raiders and, and, and Darren, Darren McFadden stuff there. Uh, you can obviously go back into the Tennessee tape in 2019, 2020, find a lot of instances, uh, there, uh, it, it's relegated in getting your offensive lineman uh off the ball, uh out into you know, out, out, out to working towards the edges there, uh, kind of cutting the field in half, which takes, you know, half your kind of defenders out of it, getting getting your back to read it and hopefully finding uh creases and holes and and making the cut and hitting it. Anything to add there?
1: No, you explained it well. I mean, from the running back perspective, you know, when you talk about the difference between inside zone, tight zone versus outside zone, wide zone, it's the aiming point, you know, in, in inside zone. And these things can vary slightly coach to coach, but inside zone, aiming point might be the, you know, inside hip of the guard that you're, you know, play side, hip of the guard outside zone. It might be the butt of the tight end. So where you're kind of aiming in terms of where your initial steps and tracks go, that's going to be the difference The guard on inside zone, the, the bud or the inside hip, outside hip or the tight end, depending on how it's coached in outside zone and a zone, you know, read for running back is you can bounce a run wide, depending on how the defense flows, you can bring the run back or bend the run backwards and cut back in, in you know, traditional zone schemes. So you can uh, bang the run between uh, the line, you know, so you're kind of getting a bit more downhill. When it comes to Arthur Smith, while he's a proponent of the wide zone, he makes clear in the clinic, he has a, a little different take on it. He wants to be a really physical wide zone team. He says, I don't want to just run everything to the sideline. And so there's kind of a blend between, you know, we think about wide zone, we think about small offensive linemen, we think about the Alex Gibbs, the Denver Broncos, 280-pound lineman. It's super athletic, and it's, it's all to the outside. And Smith wants bigger guys, heavier guys, more physical guys. And while it is a a wider scheme, there's still definitely an element of physicality to it that you saw in Tennessee with Derrick Henry, with their offensive line, et cetera. So whatever that's worth, it's not kind of maybe tried and true old school wide zone. There's a blend to it, and that might make it more appealing and more workable in Pittsburgh.
0: All right. needless to say, the Steelers don't run a lot of outside zone, right? So, uh, especially with, with you know the last couple of seasons, especially with the with the group that they have now. And when I think of outside zone, I think uh, he even kind of alludes or mentions it in, in this video. You you get you guys on the hoof a lot during a game like that. Your offensive lineman, it's taxing on an offensive lineman uh uh overall especially the more that you run it and there is a sync a, a, a syncret, you know uh a synchronicity to it right uh mm-hmm. uh this is to me this is going to be a chore and this is something and, and uh, assuming that he he's going to be a, a a heavy wide outside zone guy this is something that's going to have to be uh, put in right from the get-go here in the offseason program. And it's going to take repping and repping yep. and and repping and repping and repping and repping. Uh, and it's going to be clunky uh, more than likely uh, as, as they work through the offseason there. Uh, and once again, the more that you run this, uh, it is, it can be taxing on an offensive lineman the more you run uh, a group, uh, the more you run it.
1: Yeah, what's interesting is you know I would classify current Steelers O line coach Pat Meyer if you had if you, if I had to pick more of a zone guy than a man gap power type of guy. Uh, but Pittsburgh's been very varied under Pat Meyer. They have run every concept basically, especially in twenty twenty two. But they run some outside zone. I mean, they They, they certainly have. But you know, my concern is. We've mentioned this many times before, including in season when it was happening. The first month of 2023, Pittsburgh did not run a single gap run where they pulled the guard, and they were a very heavy zone team—not exclusive, but heavy—and they could not run the football at all. They were just a miserable zone blocking team. I mean, just could not—you know—climb to the second level, couldn't get uh, on the right track, couldn't overtake well. I mean, they just were terrible. Backside tight ends couldn't block; it was a mess. And they didn't find that success until they started really incorporating more of their gap scheme, power scheme, the WAM blocks. And they still ran zone throughout the year. And they ran the, – what was the game they in split zone? Was it the, the Bengals That's game? The Seahawks right. game? One of the two um, where they really ran that effectively. So they they can run it, but they're at their best when they're kind of mixing and matching and running a bunch of different schemes in there. And so if they become a lot heavier towards that wide zone – and if they really kind of eliminate the gap runs, that is a concern for me.
0: Mine as well too, especially when that was when they started to get to that in the second half of the season. They started to find their footing there, and you know, uh, uh, at least a byproduct as we, we saw uh, some of the inside zone zone stuff get better, and the split zone obviously opened up a, a little bit as this, as the season went on. But I mean, uh, I am concerned about how well the implementation of heavy outside wide zone goes uh, right now. I tell you right now, they're not going to do it with the five that that, 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 that they ended mm-hmm. uh, the season with there. So that, and that that's another uh, uh, full podcast coming up in the off season here. Uh, this team, this team needs another center uh, to be able to do this. This team needs another tackle to be able to do this. This team needs to decide, uh, what side Broderick Jones is going to be on uh, to, 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 to be part. Now, he obviously has athleticism to him and, and a young kid and should be able to get out in space as well, too. Uh, a quick takeaway during this video is when he talked about uh, Ben Jones. Did you catch that?
1: Yeah, he praised him, said it was to change the culture in Tennessee, called him the smartest, toughest guy. He was not a big guy or like, you know, the, the cookie cutter, super athletic, you know, measurables, didn't check all those boxes, but just a tough son of a gun that got the job done. And I think Pittsburgh's going to need a center like that.
0: And he also said he's kind of more of a bigger guy than what you see, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, he talked about, again, that's the difference. You think about, you know, the traditional zone schemes, you think about you know, 280 pounder, super undersized, ultra athletic type of dudes. That's not really what Smith looks for. He says he wants guys who are a bit heavier, a bit thicker. He called right. Roger Saffold like the ideal body type at 315 pounds, but athletic. So he said the things he looks for is that that kind of size, but the speed off the ball. And so can you, can you snap off the ball? That's so important to kind of get to your aiming point and reach and cut off in your zone system. So that's going to be really critical. Tight ends have to block too. You're running outside zone. I said the aiming points often at the tight end, uh, these tight ends in Pittsburgh, they improve down the stretch dramatically, but the tight end blocking is going to be very critical in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah. And he goes on to say, you don't have to be, yo great, but you got to be willing and uh, all like that. Now, now plus to that is, you know, Pat Firemuth is a better blocker out in space.
1: Yeah, but he's going to have to block the way that he blocked the last three games instead of the right. with the way that he blocked early in the season. I know there was an injury, the chest injury, the hamstring injury, but and even Darnell Washington, who's, of course, on paper, a good blocker and his reps improved. But he's going to have that snap off the fo- football, the speed off the football, the burst snap timing's an issue for him. It's got to be athletic to be able to, to get out in space a little bit. So even he's got some things to work on in the system.
0: And another requirement of this is these wide receivers blocking on the edge.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, how many times did he mention that in that Mm -hmm. video? I mean, just a half dozen times easily about the commitment and these guys blocking and and putting forth that extra effort. And that's honestly half the reason, you know, as great as Derrick Henry is, that's a big reason why they busted off some of those huge, you know, chunk play 60 plus yard touchdowns because the receivers were blocking and A.J. Brown was using his size and his frame. Guys were doing the dirty work. So I've said this so many times before. I think the difference between good and great runs in the NFL is often the, the second and third level blocking by tight end by a running back to spring the running back to, to make a 20 yard run of a 50 yard run.
0: All right. So we, we agree that uh, more than likely we're going to see outside uh wide zone uh, attacking more of the edges uh, with the, with the, with with the run game uh, some duo uh, my hope is, and you know, yours as well too. That they 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 don't forget some some of the uh, some of the gap stuff that they've been good at last season.
1: Right, that's the key. Don't forget. I think it's a great way to, to frame that. I also expect to see probably a fullback brought in, a true yes. and blue fullback. Keith Smith in Atlanta had twenty percent of their snap count, and all three years Arthur Smith was there. Uh, Tennessee had a guy about twenty percent of the snaps as well in twenty twenty, and so either they'll have to move Connor Hayward. Or I think a bit more likely they're going to bring in a kind of a, a fullback because they're going to run a lot of twenty-one personnel. They can run their wide zone out of one back or two back, so they can run obviously duo, you know, a downhill lead man blocking scheme uh, from from two back. So I think you're going to see the, the rebirth of the fullback in Pittsburgh.
0: All right. That wouldn't hurt my feelings. Uh, I, 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 li- I like people that can displace people, and he talks a lot about displacing people and, and not going to, you know, he wants a physicality, uh, obviously, aspect of this. All right. Uh, so we got it. We, we think that we have a grasp on what he wants to do schematically as far as the run game. Right.
1: Yeah, I think we have a pretty good feel overall uh, based on the data, based on his philosophy. Again, go read the post. We talk about his outside zone. Um, his, eight, his outside zone is 18 and 19 runs. That's how they're, they're called. 18 runs go to the right. 19 runs go to the left. So 19 outside zone with different tags and verbiages, a left uh, wide zone run. 18 is uh, a right wide zone run. So expect to hear that language talked about in Pittsburgh.
0: All right. Uh, us talking about it and seeing them implement it uh, successfully. Let's just say it's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully.
1: Uh, <laughs> fun in maybe a certain well, sense early on.
0: Uh, Fun just in can can they do it Uh, yeah. there? All right. now well, next- As you
1: said, just quickly, she's, they're, they're going to have to rep the heck out of this. Like every day yeah. in training camp, every yeah. day, they're going to have to rep the heck out of this stuff.
0: Without wearing these guys out on top of it. It's another aspect of that video that he talks about when trying to trying to not overdo it with these, with these guys, especially as the season progresses, you get into week 10 and and practices and maintenance and uh, days that you're not hitting. And mm-hmm. I mean, there is, there is a technical component of doing this right that we're not, we're, we're even understating it
1: for sure. For sure. So again, I think it's the most critical component of, of Smith's success. And then obviously with the quarterback playing development, it's going to be just as critical. So off of that, he he wants to marry, as most coaches I think do, but marry the the run game and the and the pass game and the play action game, the play pass game especially. So all of the play action calls look like the run calls, and so the defense doesn't know if it's run or pass until it's essentially too late. And so that really, you know, if that running the ball effectively opens up the play action game, their keepers, their boots, their traditional kind of play action drop back shots that's where the pass game really incorporates and gets layered in well.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and he, uh, uh pl- he calls it play pass and, uh, you know, that's an area that he gets to after talking about the running game in that video. And obviously they want to do such a good job in the run that they're, they're getting the guys up in, in, in the box on the other side of the ball and biting on that kind of stuff to open up those intermediate and really, you know, middle of the field, uh, uh, uh passing. Uh, type uh, concepts and all like that now next thing i wanted to kind of kind of hit on here was uh and you we've already talked a, a little bit about it but uh, I, I wanted to kind of let you expand on it here personnel groupings and formation condensing
1: yeah we mentioned this I think a lot on monday and it's in the post and just you know pulling the data that you provided i think from sis uh, last year in Atlanta and i hadn't actually really gotten beyond that because I got down the rabbit hole of this coaching clinic that I thought was so valuable to really focus on. But heavy personnel is what Atlanta ran. They were first in the NFL in 12 personnel, two tight end sets. They were second in 22 personnel, two backs and two tight ends. They were third in 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends, which Pittsburgh utilized really effectively down the stretch. And they were dead last in the NFL in 11 personnel, which is your tra- kind of traditional base three receiver set, which Pittsburgh is in the majority of the time. So we'll see how much that changes. I don't know if Pittsburgh will 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 match those numbers in 2023, but again, you're going to see that shift of bigger people, heavier people, a fullback, I think brought in tight end sets, how the last three weeks look is going to be more how this offense, I think will look in a lot of ways come 2024.
0: I pulled his 11 personnel usage uh, over to five seasons, two in Tennessee, three with Atlanta here. Uh, and the usage percentage ranks from uh, sports uh, info solutions and 2019 he ranked 26th in the league as far as 11 personnel uh usage went uh 2020 31st uh with the titans uh 2021 31st uh for uh first season in atlanta second season in atlanta 31st he, he used it even less in this past season with Atlanta. Uh, he used it. He used eleven personnel uh, less than any team in the league, uh, and they weren't uh, playing
1: with big leads either. They were playing right. from behind a lot. To be to be clear about that,
0: right? And he makes a point to say to say in, in that video too. He's not a he's not a panic guy. Uh, he believes in if you're down on the scoreboard and it's uh, 11 minutes left in the third quarter and you're down, I forget what he showed on the, on the scoreboard there, but uh, you know, they, they he, he doesn't like to get in situations where they have to paint. Obviously, they'll get into some two-minute stuff and all like that, and, you know, that's, that's just another podcast.
1: Uh, he showed the Steelers game. Yeah. Uh, what, what year was oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: 27 to 7, third quarter, and they did a long touchdown to A.J. Brown.
0: Right. That was the one that just whizzed right by uh, <laughs> Vince Williams' helmet. Yep. Shoot, there's a clip of that. Uh, we talked about that play quite a bit yep. uh, at, at the time when 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 that happened there. Uh, so, you know, personnel-wise, we don't expect to see a lot of 11 personnel. put it to you that way.
1: It will be interesting, though, because do you make a radical change immediately uh, because Pittsburgh, you know, has been 11 personnel the last 15 years, you know, since Ben started kind of really infusing and leading this passing game. And that's how most offenses are. Um, But that was interesting as well. It's funny how these things kind of just all help each other out. That slot study we did just last week, I think it was on Pittsburgh's lack of slot production I've been talking about. They have to get a good slot receiver. Atlanta over the last two years had tied for the fewest targets of wide receivers from the slot, even less than Pittsburgh, which was pretty meager to begin with. And so I wonder if the slot receiver position and that role in Pittsburgh is going to matter less in 2024 because it's just not going to be on the field as often. Um, so it, it may actually be less of a need than I stated before the hire because – you think about Tennessee, you think about Atlanta, that they have really good slot receivers. No, they had kind of an outside receiver, Drake London in Atlanta, A.J. Brown in Tennessee. And that was kind of the one guy the passing game ran through. So I think the slot receiver need is actually decreased based on the philosophy of Arthur Smith.
0: I would agree. I mean, before this hire, I was thinking, oh, I mean, this team, this team really needs to think about a slot type receiver uh, uh, in, 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 in the draft and now I'm not convinced now, I mean, I think they're still going to draft a wide receiver at some point in this draft, but I think it's one that maybe has some versatility, uh, would you, at, 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 you know, playing the X and playing the Z. You know, I I think you just want somebody in into Hopper there a little bit larger than a guy like Calvin Austin to, uh, the third uh, mm-hmm. there. So, uh, and I also think I stated before this hiring that not only do I think that they could draft one wide receiver, they could draft two. Well, uh, I'm I'm backing off of that now. Uh, I, I I think they draft one wide receiver, uh, but I'm 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 not, you know, I'm I'm a lot less convinced now that they'll draft two.
1: Yeah, I think it's an outside guy with Deontay in the last year of his deal, and really no depth behind Deontay and Pickens. And obviously, we know that Arthur Smith is not making the calls on who they draft. Right. But when you hire the guy, you understand his offense, his philosophy, and you have to kind of you know work within that to to make his offense work and what he values more and what he values less. And that's why I say that again. Understanding that Smith is not actually making the call—that's Tomlin, Con, and, and Rooney—kind of from, from a broader perspective. But uh, just you have to kind of you know. Give your OC. You just hired the tools that he needs to make the offense work in his vision.
0: Uh, let's put let us put it this way. If he does increase his eleven personnel usage, it's not like I, I'm not expecting to finish in the middle of the middle of the uh, league. I mean, if if you go back to that 2019 Titans team where he ranked 26th, may, maybe we get to that point.
1: Mm-hmm. The, you know, Pittsburgh was what eighth, I think, at eleven personnel in 2023. Oh, I'd have to look. Believe it was ace. I I my point is I don't expect him to be eighth or anywhere right. really close to that. I don't know where it's gonna be in some of that scheme circumstance. So obviously, you get behind late, you're an eleven personnel more, but uh they'd probably be average at best, if not in the 20 somewhere. I
0: right. address the condensed.
1: Yeah, this is kind of the hallmark. And while you know, I think people clamored for, you know, get a Kyle Shanahan disciple, a Sean McVay disciple. They interviewed Thomas Brown from that tree. They wanted to talk to Zach Robinson. who was from that tree. Ends up in Atlanta, helping replacing the fired Arthur Smith. Funny enough, Uh, the, the kind of Smith, though, learned a bit from Matt LaFleur in Tennessee in 2018, who comes from that Shanahan tree, worked with him in Washington and the Hallmark, one of them, at least for those kind of systems are tighter splits, more condensed formations. You can have wide formations where the field is spread out and you're really working from a pre-snap perspective, all 53 and a third yards of the field, um, or you can really reduce those splits and tighten things and kind of be really close where the receivers are closer to the tight ends and uh, the offensive line. And you're going to see more of that in Pittsburgh. I think Atlanta has consistently been one of the the tighter group teams, not not number one, but but Pittsburgh's been one of the wider teams pre-snap, Atlanta one of the tighter teams pre-snap and I expect that to to look different formationally in Pittsburgh also heavy motion kind of like Canada multiple motion um mixing things up not being static pre-snap not just lining up and snapping the football I would expect that to to happen in, in Pittsburgh as well
0: you know if you're going to use uh you know heavier personnel groupings, and I talked about this years ago, when you look back at uh, some of those Patriots teams and all uh, that they had, uh, I like it, especially when you're able to uh, go, you know, uh, match up well. If, if, if a team has a smaller uh, defensive setting, then you can condense down and, and obviously try, try to uh, run your bigs against their smalls. Uh, but if they come out uh, with bigs on bigs, do you have the ability to at least kind of expand a little bit? And I think that's one of the chores that he's going to have, with especially if he uses this heavy personnel. Can he? Can he get in a situation where he can take advantage of bigs on bigs in the passing game?
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's that's a, a fair point overall. So we'll see how those things look. I wanted to ask you about, you know, and you know, you know the numbers better than I do, but there's a reputation that his offense is Smith's offenses work heavily under center. That seemed to be less of the case in Atlanta the last two years. It was more in Tennessee. What's your interpretation of how much under center action we're going to see from this offense?
0: Yeah. And that's what I had next on our list to kind of marry these, these two things together. And that's play action usage and shotgun percentage uh, usage here. Uh, If you look at the last two seasons specifically uh, with the Falcons, uh 79% shotgun usage which was 10 ranked 10th overall now once again these are these are numbers you'd have to dive into situationally where they behind big you know where where they having to 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 get in and more you know obvious type there there there's more to just the numbers right there always sure. there always is but uh, you know we don't we can make this a five hour show. I I could easily do this with you, but I don't think it would make for, I don't think people want to hear us do it for five hours here, but at its core, here's what the numbers say. 79% shotgun usage in 2023 with Falcons, which ranked his usage 10th overall in the league in 2022, 74% shotgun usage, which ranked him seventh in the league. Now, was this because some of the stuff that he had implemented, he just, you know, this, in 2021 I tried to do what I do and it wasn't working and I had to uh at least made 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 the effort to to change things up because if you go back to his two seasons in Tennessee and this was probably a byproduct of what he wanted to implementing working with 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 the running game here uh 50 only 50% shotgun usage in Tennessee in 2019 ranked 29th in the NFL overall, and in 2020, boy, it was humming, I guess, on the ground, or it was, 42% shotgun uh, usage uh, that year, which ranked him 31st in the NFL when it came to shotgun usage. Now, <laughs> the Steelers use a lot of shotgun, don't they?
1: Oh, oh yeah, that's kind of been one of the cr- critiques of Canada is they are a almost shotgun exclusive 90% of the time, whatever it is, type of offense.
0: All right. Um now marrying that uh into play action uh you look at uh two seasons in Tennessee 18% play action usage uh seventh most in the league in 2019 and 2020 20% usage ranked him 11th. Uh put it to you and and uh even in 2022 his second season uh with the Falcons 22% play action usage, uh, which ranked him third overall in the league. Uh, I will. My What main, was it? What was it in
1: 2023?
0: Uh, 16%, which ranked him 13th overall in the okay.
1: league. So there's still heavy play action, despite mm-hmm. going to a lot more shotgun. Now some of that, I don't know. Is that, is that definitely like true shotgun, or is that pistol and shotgun? Do you know they, uh, I don't. Like I don't that?
0: have it breaking down. I we can get that and talk about it. We'll have yeah. plenty of plenty of time, but I don't have it broken okay. down uh, that way here. Long story short, uh, he does, and and it will be a welcome sight uh, uh, overall. Even though the Steelers have have used play action in in in, in shotgun. Uh, here here's the thing. Uh, some a lot of this the the success going back to 2019 and 2022 or 2019 2020 in Tennessee was low shot. You had Tannehill Hill up under center and using shotgun there. Uh, we obviously have not seen a lot of Kenny Pickett and or Mason Rudolph under center. A, B using using play action off of it. And that's going. That's another thing that's going to be interesting to see what he does versus marrying, what he wants to do versus the personnel that he has at the quarterback position.
1: Yeah, I think it really is. But it is, I think, a bit of a misnomer because I was listening to uh, one of the PFF guys on the fan the other day, and he talked about the stylistic differences between Smith and what Pittsburgh had been doing. And again, there are certainly some. We talked about the, the wide zone versus gap scheme stuff. That's, I think, critical. But the last two years in Atlanta, they were shotgun quite a bit, much more than they had been. And to me, the difference, I don't know exactly why, but I assume it's the quarterback change. In twenty one, you had Matt Ryan, kind of, you know, traditional from Boston College, old Good school coin. quarterback. And then in twenty two, you bring in Mariota, spread system guy from Oregon, Desmond Ritter, you know, in college today. They're running shotgun based ninety percent of the time. No one's under center ever from Cincinnati. And So I think the quarterback change and these kind of newer age quarterbacks uh, alter that philosophy a little bit. And, you know, Pickett can play under center and he did some at Pitt, but they could still be shotgun quite a bit in in Pittsburgh this year. Probably not as much, almost certainly not as much as they have been, but they could still be in shotgun 75% of the time instead of 90%, but it's not going to be under center as often as I think people are attributing to Arthur Smith.
0: I would it wouldn't hurt my feelings to see him under center more if he could do it.
1: Anyway. Sure. I, yeah, I'm not opposed to it. And and that's I mean, their play action game is the clips that I watch, they're not they're all you know under center. Right. And when they when they when they're play action, they're keepers and they're they're you know dropbacks. Um I, I'm just curious to see. I don't know I don't know how much it's gonna be. It's gonna be more under center and certainly more play action, but it may not be this super old school. It under might not be 2019,
0: 2020 yeah. Tennessee Titans. Right. Right.
1: Hill I don't think it's gonna be that way if it if it is maybe that just means the run game is amazing and and that's right. a good thing but uh yeah I just just to the point there's been a shift there the last two years I think a lot of that has to do with the the modern age quarterback play
0: so if there's anything that we're less sure schematically about what he may or may not do it's What's the shotgun percentage going to look like and what's the play? You know, uh, uh, I mean, I think we both agree we're going to see some play action. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, the question is, is how much uh, how much more under center stuff will we see
1: yeah, under center? Uh, and then also kind of the wide zone gap scheme or things I really want to examine because I'm not they're going to run both. You know, they're going to be under center. They're going to run wide zone. But how much and what the mix is, I really want to see what those numbers end up being.
0: Right, one thing we forgot to hit when talking about uh, schematics and all like that is uh, his usage of the uh, of the boots.
1: Yeah, well, those are the keepers. Those are keepers. Um, yeah. the, they, he calls them keepers. I think people call them, you know, bootlegs, naked swaggles, whatever uh, verbiage. There's some differences there, but yeah, I mean that's their wide zone and their keepers are married. So the you know, and that's what happens in San Francisco, for example. People talk about you want those things to look the same uh, with McVeigh, who's an outside zone kind of guy, predominantly different. System overall, he's 11 personnel, Uh, Smith is is much heavier, but, you know, their wide zone and their their keepers, their bootlegs look exactly the same. And so the, the defense never knows which is which.
0: And how many times we talked over the years, talk about, man, the more you can make things look the same, and run stuff off of that, uh, the better. And then another thing we talk about—I'm going to let you expand on this a little bit more because he talks about this as well uh, as well too. Building his passing game off of the run, and that's something that's going to be very—you know—it's it, important regardless of who who the what offense you're running, uh, uh, run game you're running, what who your offensive coordinator is. It really it 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 it, it, it separates the good. You know, the, the bad from the good and the great from the good, uh, building the passing game off of the running game and the concepts uh, expand on that, if you will, because I, I think you've you've deeper, deeper mm-hmm. into that.
1: Well, I think to start Pittsburgh under Canada, that was one of his biggest flaws. They never married the pass game and the run game well. And the constraint plays and the layered plays and these package plays just never They never built off anything consistently enough in Pittsburgh, and that was such a a huge reason why the offense struggled, and hopefully Smith can do that. I think he's got a much better track record of that. To read just one quote that kind of sums it up, he says in his clinic, quote, when you build your run packages, you build your play pass. It's got to look the same, end quote. And that is not a unique philosophy. I think most coaches believe that it needs to look the same to be as effective as possible, but that is certainly one of his core Philosophy. So, um, again, the way that you run, you know, whether it's duo, whether it's wide zone, your play action has to look um, like it's going to be a run. You have to because play action is selling the run. That's all it is. You can sell the run, get a defense to bite, get them to think, you know, it's a run key. Then that's how you win. And that's how Smith builds his offense.
0: And he uh, talks about these early in this video, talks about uh, quarterbacks carrying out these fakes. You know properly, and uh, as part of the keepers and stuff like that. So that's another element that they'll be that, that, that they'll be repping the you know what out of is making all trying to make all of this look as the same as possible uh, there, where you know there's no tells about the way the quarterback you know does or doesn't carry out a fake you know, uh, in, in these situations. So that that that's another element to making sure that you try to get this stuff to, 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 to look as, as same as possible.
1: No, absolutely it, it is. Um, And even kind of just diverging slightly, he, he didn't talk about this as much as I hoped that he would, but he mentioned relatively early is, is that there's package plays. There are multiple, there be two calls at the line for let's assume Kenny Pickett as a starter to, to work through. And he showed one example of two run plays. Sometimes you get kind of a, Package play. He's not big into RPOs. You mentioned this, I think, on Monday. He's not a huge RPO guy. He did it more with Mariota. I don't think we're going to see a ton with Kenny Pickett, who was not doing it a a lot, at least in terms of throwing the football in RPOs in Pittsburgh. But he talked about, you know, two run plays. So one example he showed was you had a a wide zone run and you could can, which is kill, you check to a duo run. And it was a clip of Tannehill checking and canning the wide zone call and then they they went to the duo call and Derrick Henry has a 90 yard touchdown run. Um so that'll be key for Kenny Pickett or whoever the quarterback is to to work through that because you're going to get sometimes more than one call. You're going to get two calls and it'll be up to the quarterback to get them into the right call based on how the defense looks uh you know before the snap of the football.
0: All right. Uh what have we missed here?
1: I think it's kind of the the core um just kind of scrolling through the uh, other stuff I just kind of added in. He, you know, Smith talked about he will tell the players the why, not just the what, and explain why they're doing it and get these guys to buy in. He does prefer kind of simplicity and foundational. What did he say? Uh, We're going to be brilliant in the basics, is what Smith said. So the foundational, fundamental play to me, that's kind of the Mike Tomlin do routine things routinely, although I think Smith's comment kind of applies a bit more to, to scheme than it is individual type of things. Um, again, he harped on effort and, and downfield blocking and being a great teammate. He said, they're not going to coddle the stars. And he was asked the question, what happens if you have guys that don't buy into your system? And I want to get the exact quote here, because it's certainly notable considering what Pittsburgh went through in 2023. He said, quote, we won't play them. I'll look to get guys out of there. Now he's the OC. He's not the head coach as he was in Atlanta, but Uh, I don't think he's going to tolerate some of the loafing and, and poor blocking and poor effort that we saw from time to time last year in Pittsburgh
0: right uh he made a point uh, uh, you know uh, 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 stating that uh, what do you say top to bottom with uh, with and, and the organization uh, uh, during some of those years obviously in 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 Tennessee there uh not afraid to give the job to an undrafted guy if he uh, deserves it uh, he mentioned undrafted guys a couple of times uh, during that video as well too uh, I you know you turned me on to this uh, video late last night and I, I was shutting down the Metroplex uh uh at the time here uh out here and but even so i said yeah man we we're gonna I know he's gonna to want to talk about this, so I gotta watch this. So I I when I laid in bed I cued the video up and put my wife through it.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so she well. also knows what Arthur Smiths. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: She 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 got me uh she she, she knows me saying going, Oh man, I, it, funny to see, gonna be interesting to see them run this outside zone and wide zone and all like that. <laughs> uh the here's something that she picked up on. Uh no, she didn't oh? she she rolled over there, I uh, didn't watch the whole thing, can't blame her. Uh but uh, in the First, I think 10 minutes that 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 she did catch what was one idiom or I guess you call it an idiom or one catch phrase that uh, that uh, Arthur Smith used early, early in that uh, video. I
1: did can't you, tell did you did the you particular phrase. Was it about just effort to begin with? No, uh, no uh, it, you t- it, tell me
0: bread and butter. Hmm. And that was referring
1: to his wide
0: zone. Yeah. I guess just talking about what, what their bread and butter is going to be. And, and he mentioned that several times. I think people will pick on up on that, uh, early in that video, but that, that, that's just something that that caught her. And I was was saying, man, you know, about the wide zone and you know, don't, she said, well, maybe they need to do it. What they're doing now is not (laughs) working. And uh, I said, you got a point there. Uh, but anyway, uh, all right. What else, uh. Uh, You know, it feels like we got a pretty good grasp on what we think he's going to, you know, uh, uh, try to do schematically here and now. You know, obviously, can can he can he do it? Do they do they have the personnel to do it?
1: Yeah, just kind of one other thought is while Pittsburgh has run the ball overall well the last two years, they've been really slow to start, and that's an issue. Uh, they didn't get the run game going in 22 until after the bye in week 10 against the saints when they ran for, I think 200 plus. And in 2023, the run game was terrible. We mentioned the first month of the season, it was horrible. And it really didn't get going until week nine against Tennessee when Broderick Jones came in a right tackle. And from there on, you know, besides that three game losing streak, they ran the ball well and ran it really well down the stretch in the last three games. But this run game has to start faster. That's your identity. And that's kind of your philosophy. You can't take until week nine or week 10 to get your run game going in this competitive AFC and AFC North. So I think an onus will be on Smith to get this line, which has also been slow starting the last two years in this run game going faster than where it has been in 22 and 23.
0: Which will be a chore once again, if this is going to be outside, right. outside wide zone and getting that stuff wrapped. Uh, it's going to be a buzzword. We're going to be talking about the rest of the off season on into, into OTAs and training camp. And he's going to be asked about it. Uh, uh, just as a trickle down from what we talk about and all is, uh, getting him to talk about the outside zone, wide zone and implementing it and what it's going to take to do that. Assuming he wants to do that.
1: One thing I really did like from the clinic was he talked about his got to have it moments and the mm. day before the game, you know, Saturday before a Sunday game, he'll meet with the offensive staff and go over his got to have it plays. And those are the crucial ones, third down, fourth down, the ones you have to convert usually late in games to, to secure victory or come back and win the game, whatever the case is. And he has a specific portion of his call sheet that, that just has the got to have it plays. And I thought one of the other worst things that Canada did was not being equipped in those moments of got to have it moments to have the right play call to convert on third and three with the game on the line. Think about the Texans game where Kenny Pickett got hurt on that fourth down call, where it just kind of re- they it was the same call they'd run on second and 10 earlier in the game and it didn't work. And you, you weren't really equipped for those weighty got to have it moments. And um, yeah, I think Smith is, and that that's a huge key difference.
0: All right. Uh, I think we got about an hour and some 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 odd minutes in here talking about him and scheme and what we think is going to happen. Uh, we've got got a long off season to continue to break down, uh, tape and talk more about depth about certain pieces of it. Anything? Uh, w- w- I think we got to get to recapping some things that Art Rooney said. But any, any kind of final thoughts or did we miss anything here that, that of you the, wanted yeah. to cover?
1: One other thing, and a lot of the clinic was kind of early down stuff. First, and second down didn't get into really like third down, you know, third and long uh, shotgun drop back type stuff. But he did mention red zone briefly and he talked about he wants to run the ball in the red zone and and Tennessee had amazing red zone offenses. Like number one in 2019 and number two in 2020. Atlanta it was terrible. I mean they had right. bad red zone offenses, but Pittsburgh's red zone offense has been underwhelming or bad for the last decade, essentially. But Talked about past game briefly about what he looks for, uh high lows, a lot of hor- like a lot of horizontal crossers, uh concepts, but basically a lot of high lows in the red zone to try to exploit that. Did not like one v ones or fade balls, called them inefficient, which I agree with. So um, I think the red zone philosophy in the pass game might go empty as well. Once you get in the red zone, kind of spread things out, go empty. He talked with, about with
0: with zero with with zero options.
1: Yeah, to beat cover zero, zero beaters. Yeah, that, that's gonna be key as well. Cause when you're an empty, you may get a, a pressure and if you don't have, you only know, five guys to An lock it up. Yeah. So uh, just kind of a, he mentioned it briefly, a bit of the red zone philosophy, again, high, low, spreading things out, but still also wanting to run the ball and, and finish down, down near the goal line.
0: And Derrick Henry had like a gazillion of touchdowns in those two years, didn't he? Uh, uh, rushing touchdowns.
1: Uh, I'm guessing he did. It was 2000 yards that one year. How many touchdowns did he have? I'm, I'm uh, probably a gazillion. I'm assuming. Uh- uh, let's see here. 33. What was the league both years in 19 and 20?
0: Uh, I've got it somewhere in here. Uh, Derek Henry. Uh, Henry probably remember he rushed for 3,567 yards and 33 touchdowns in those two seasons.
1: Yeah. Um. All, I mean, again, wow. they don't have... yeah incredible numbers and as you said you know while it's derrick henry he didn't really become derrick henry until arthur smith became oc so i think smith should get some credit at the least for for derrick henry's you know prime years his biggest seasons um now in in tennessee they had derrick henry he was a workhorse back in atlanta they had a a committee right with Bijan robinson and algier um tyler algier and so you know he's used to the committee in in pittsburgh with harrison warren um I also he did mention about red zone play kind of getting everybody involved and i think one critique he had in atlanta was not getting the ball enough to be john robinson especially in the red zone and kyle pitts and i think there's some different numbers that can be debated about that but his philosophy seemed to be that he wants everybody to feel like they can score in the red zone to kind of keep them engaged and um you know confident and those types of things i think he'll Mentioned in Tennessee, that 13 players scored the one year for them, even a couple of linemen. I think in Atlanta last year, eight different players caught a touchdown pass. In Pittsburgh, it was four. And so I think one reason why there's been some red zone criticism is that he wants to get the ball involved to everybody. So expect a lot of guys to have random one touchdowns this year. But they also kind of mentioned trick plays. I mean, he mentioned linemen catching touchdown passes, Dennis Kelly catch, catching a touchdown pass, Derrick Henry throwing a touchdown pass. So there may be some trickery in Pittsburgh, at least especially in kind of situational ball, goal line ball. Um, that we hadn't seen in Pittsburgh. and That's why I called them Malarkey too, because Malarkey would run some trick plays in Pittsburgh way back when.
0: When you look at the passing game with the Titans in 2019, uh, it ranked 21st overall uh, in average yards per game through the air of 223.9. However, uh, their 8.00 yards per play was tops in the NFL. So, you know, they weren't they weren't compiling a lot of passing yards uh, during a game in 2019 on average, but they were getting their money's worth out of it, which obviously you know, uh, uh, punctuates, I, I think, how good they were in the running game. Uh, I, I, I talked at the top that they did have the worst sacks per pass attempt average in the NFL in 2019. Uh, at 12.5%, boy, you can't have that, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what you're running. Uh, you know, I, I, I think of it as they, they, they got away with one. Didn't Tannehill miss time. What, what, what season did he miss the time in 2019?
1: Wasn't it? I'll check. I know he's been hurt the last couple of years. Um, in 19, he only played 12 games, started 10 of them. So there was an injury. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember
0: what it was either. But, uh, you know, getting sacked, uh, uh, what what he got uh, uh, their quarterbacks in 2019 were sacked 56 times.
1: Yeah. And Tannehill 31 in 10 starts. So it's an average of three per game, which is not an appealing number. I I don't All sacks aren't created equal. I don't know how much that is scheme or Tannehill's issues. I have no idea. But yeah, you don't want to see that in Pittsburgh. That's for sure.
0: Uh, as for 2020, the Titans ranked uh, tied for second in the NFL and average total yards per game at 396.4. Is that allowed? Uh, <laughs> uh, the unit 6.5 yards per play average was good for fourth best in the NFL in 2020. Uh, obviously, the running game played a huge part in that. Once again, on the ground that season, Henry uh, and company averaged yards per game and 5.16 yards per running play. Uh, That ranked their offense second overall league-wide in both those statistical categories in 2020. The passing game wasn't as robust as it was in 2019 as they ranked 23rd overall in average passing yards per game at 228.3 and 7th overall in average yards per play per passing play at 7.53. The sack rate, however, as I mentioned at the top of the show, per pass attempt did go down, uh, to 5.15%, which was, uh, ranked 10th overall, uh, in those two combined seasons that Smith was the offense coordinator there, the offense managed to rank 15th overall combined in explosive plays of 20 yards or longer. Uh, the offense registered 122 such explosive passing plays of 20 yards, uh, or longer in those two seasons. Once again, if they if he can get this offense to, uh, middle of the league in, uh, in explosive p- passing plays as it being a byproduct of a top 10 running game. That would be, that would be great to see the Titans obviously ran, fared well in explosive running plays of 10 yards or longer in those two seasons, 133 in total, which was good for second overall in the NFL when combining 2019 and 2020. And by the way, uh, they totaled 34 runs of 20 yards or longer in those two combined seasons, and that was good for second best in the NFL uh, for that span. And obviously, Derek Henry was a big part of that.
1: Yeah, but again, I thought some of the downfield blocking from AJ Brown and company played just a big of a role in in busting off some of those you know good plays to become great runs and chunk runs to become double chunk and and touchdown type of runs. Uh, I, I do think just more broadly the big concern with Smith is how much better can he make this passing game? How much can right. he elevate it? I mean, to his credit again, he did help turn Tannehill's career around 55 touchdowns in two years. Pittsburgh even comes close to that. You throw a big party for it, regardless of, of how it's schemed up or how good the run game is. Uh, Cause some people said, Oh, Tannehill just handed the ball to Derrick Henry. I mean, n- no, he didn't. And even if that he does, and he throws 55 touchdowns in two years, who cares? I don't care Right. how it looks. It could be, fifty-five wide open touchdowns are the easiest throws in the world as long as they're touchdowns because they just don't they don't do that enough in Pittsburgh right now. Um but was a question Well I mean about, they're you
0: know, their eight point yards per play per pass play uh in two thousand nineteen uh was the tops in the NFL.
1: You know? Yeah no it's interesting. I mean in Atlanta obviously you didn't develop a guy like right. Desmond Ritter and and you know is Kenny Pickett the next 10 Perhaps but is he gonna be Desmond Ritter and just kind of float and is be be who he is basically, you know, that's the concern. And, and, you know, I just, I do wonder how much this passing game can, can build and elevate. It'll be also a very important question to, to his and the team success.
0: Well, that goes back to what I said at the top of the show, right? Uh, quarterback play. Yeah. You know, is, is you know, it, we're not, we're not breaking new ground here. Uh, the quarterback play, Regardless of what you want to run, whether you want to be a run-heavy team or, or or wide zone or, or or what have you, uh, the quarterback play in Pittsburgh has got to be better. If it's not, none of this other stuff.
1: <laughs> if, we just if, wasted an hour and a half talking. Yeah,
0: not none of this other stuff matters. You there? You you have got. If you got a good running game, you have got to be able to build. Uh, a moderate passing game off of that. You still got to be able to put up the explosive plays in games and, and hopefully get this offense where it's once again, I'm not expecting to, to, to be in top 10, in 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 explosive p- passing plays but man it it, it a it's got to be better than what it's been these last several seasons and ideally if you can have the good running game the way you know they they hope that it is you can get your explosive passing plays and third down conversions obviously and, that, and those kind of things uh up to the middle of the league that will go a long 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 way
1: yeah, I'm with you. Um, but again, if Pickett cannot be the guy this year, you know we assume Smith will be here for the length of his contract, three years. Then you go find a quarterback next year. It's probably how they're they're going to approach this thing.
0: Real quick, I hit on this on the podcast the other day, and you wrote about it uh, uh, yesterday. There. Uh, what happens if they can't re-sign Mason Rudolph?
1: Yeah, uh, we brought this up. I wrote an article yesterday. I think we even touched on it Monday. Could Ryan Tannehill come to? To Pittsburgh. It would make sense. I know he's 36 and regressing and he hopefully won't have to start, but the connection there with Arthur Smith, the success that he had in Tennessee, it fits.
0: It depends on obviously a, I, I think, you know, and I, it's hard to come away with what's been said this last week without thinking that they, they, they obviously want Mason Rudolph back, but if they can't, I know a lot of people saying you gotta be kidding me. I don't want Ryan, but it, it, it would, it would make sense. Of them going down that path, because hey, you got somebody that can help. You know, to you get 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 a veteran back in that room because we expect Trubisky to be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get somebody that's worked with Smith uh, previously that 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 speaks very highly of him. I think if you read back on some of those quotes or even his quotes when I think when he was hired as, as Atlanta's head coach and all. Uh, at least you get some commonality in there. Somebody that's run it, done it, and 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 those kind of things. Obviously, should should Ryan Tannehill have to take snaps, you you would have to surround him with a running game, you know, yeah. without a doubt. But that's uh, I mean, we just kind of threw that out there as, as an option. <clears throat> Excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Mason Rudolph is not resigned,
1: right? Because they're going to bring in a veteran of some caliber, and Tannehill would make sense. But we'll talk about that closer to getting some clarity on Rudolph's future in Pittsburgh. Just other quick things. I I do remember Smith making a comment. I don't know what year it was. Maybe maybe it was 20, but, you know, Tannehill got sacked a ton in 19. Their tackles got hurt a lot in one of those years in Tennessee, and they were on fifth and and sixth string tackles, and so that kind of created some issues for them. Also, I would expect uh, third-down running backs. I expect Jalen Warren to catch a bunch of balls. I think Najee Harris probably catch some more balls too. Um, You know, we talked about, Smith did, Deion Lewis being their third-down guy. Our old friend, Jeremy McNichols, who was in camp mm-hmm. for a hot second, he played a role in Tennessee. Um, their backs in Atlanta caught a bunch of passes, and so I think that will not really be new in Pittsburgh because Warren caught 61 of them. He was second in, on the team this year in receptions, um, but I expect the running backs to be heavily involved in the passing game. All
0: right, do we present this in a objective, here's the facts, ma'am, Kind of, kind of way?
1: I hope so. That was the intent. It's not to say this is a great hire or a terrible hire. It was to try to lay out who the hire is and you can make your determinations off of that. Um,
0: and we'll be breaking this down more in depth and plays mm-hmm. and film rooms. And you'll, you've you you've already got more deep dives planned and all like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to. Yeah. To me, it's a expected hire. You know, I sold yesterday I was whelmed. That's kind of my reaction to it. Um, that's kind of still how I feel. You know, there's some questions. There's just always good and bad. I mean, there's, it's, that's our job. We're going to talk about the good, talk about the bad, talk about what to look for, what the critical, uh, critical components of uh, his time in Pittsburgh will be. And ultimately, again, the results are all that matters.
0: Okay. The bat just signal. signal. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just your thoughts on the OC search overall. I mean, they only interviewed three people they kind of have these, this habit of these small searches, while other teams have these wide nets they cast again, pros and cons, how do you feel about how they handled the OC search in general?
0: I I was hoping it would, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping it'd be larger.
1: Yeah, me too. Especially again, they harp, I know they said they did not require experience, but they valued it. Tomlin said that. Rooney said that on Monday. And they, they only looked at one guy.
0: One guy with experience, you
1: know. Yeah, which I think is pretty strange. And I always, I always am interested in what teams say and what they do, and that did not match. And had they brought in four more guys that that had that qualification, then sure, okay, you can be patient. Uh, some people said that they rushed to this, which made me laugh because we are just talking about why this team waiting so long to hire an OC. It's kind of funny to see that flip. I don't feel it was a rush or a, or a wait, but I do think it was uh, a bit of a concern. They only interviewed three people. I know they wanted to interview Robinson, that did not happen. But to only interview three and really only interview one guy that kind of met what they were looking for, and then just hire that guy was uh, my eyebrow raised because of it.
0: Look, it, once again, uh, like I said at the top, it kind of feels like they they know they they went looking. Instead of being as wide open as to ideas and concepts and all like that, they said, this is our personnel. Uh, this is what we want to be. And then, oh, yeah, we want experience on top. That's the way they went about it, it feels like.
1: Yeah. And Now, in, in fairness to them, if that's their guy, that's their guy. What else is there to talk about? And I was going to write an article on this. It's, it's moot now. But be less concerned about who they interviewed and who they talked to. and be more concerned about who the hire is because ultimately when it's October, we're not going to talk about, remember that time they interviewed Thomas Brown and they didn't talk to Clint Kubeck We're just going to talk about Arthur Smith and the hire itself. And that's, that's ultimately all that matters. It's a great hire then who cares if they only interviewed two other people. If it's a bad hire then you know, it's a bad hire for, for hiring Arthur Smith. But yeah, again, I just, three people felt light considering yep. the circumstances and the weight this is such a, such a critical hire for the organization. Right. And it just felt, they didn't. Now, again, maybe they talked to people back channels. Who knows? But they only interviewed officially three people.
0: I mean, and look, we'll see what the are what 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 the link to the Tomlin extension is. And obviously, he's been around for a while, and all oh, this 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 could be his last offensive coordinator.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, who the heck knows what's going to happen? You know, a couple of years from now. But it, it's a very important hire for Mike Tomlin.
0: Very important, and it that, once again didn't feel like a. Didn't feel like as wide as net, wide of net, and even if you know Robinson was in uh, serious consideration, he didn't check, you know, some of the things that right. Tom has talked about, you know.
1: Yeah, was not a play caller, say for a couple of preseason games, but anyway, again, Smith is the hire. We talked about Smith, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts on on this whole process.
0: Uh yeah, and once again, if you listen to this, you you you. you, you uh, you, one in three categories, you love the hire, you hate the hire, you're indifferent and we'll take a wait and see approach. And yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to scold any, anybody for any of that. Uh, we, we just try to prevent, uh, or present what's, what's, what we see and, you know, uh, get past the decision now and start analyzing and projecting. And obviously the proof will be in the pudding once, uh, once they get on the field.
1: All right, Dave. You mentioned the bat signal. That was that was going to be the big yeah. story until the Arthur Smith news came in. Art Rooney II speaking to the media on Monday. What were your main takeaways?
0: Well, I think a lot of them have obviously been answered with the uh, uh, with, with, with the OC hiring, right? you know, uh, since, since, since then, uh, he talked about crediting the defensive staff for the, uh, for the guys that they had to work with last year and how he needed a program to kind of figure out, uh, who was on the field. I mean, it goes without saying this team was banged up at uh, linebacker and safety. So it's understandable. Uh, uh, there we, we did, we already hit on the uh, extension for Austin, right? We don't, we don't need to.
1: Yeah. We mentioned that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Looking for offensive coordinator can work with this roster. I think <laughs> uh, I think after the fact uh we see that uh that, that 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 that's the path that they went on down there. Uh enough is enough, Alex. Enough is enough for Art Rooney the second concerning the Steelers uh being winless in the playoffs. Here, 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 here. That was to me. Raise your- can oh, a beer up high <laughs> and seal. Yeah, that's all uh, Blue Oyster Cult song yeah. over your head. But anyway. Over my head.
1: Yep, way over. Wish. Uh, that was to me, the, the biggest and most notable quote that Art Rooney had. And he didn't say it as frustratingly when you hear the comment as it sounds on paper. But I think the message is all the same of we've had enough of getting this far only get this far, to go to the playoffs or be in the hunt and be in the mix, but to not win a playoff game. And so I think even he is feeling the frustration that many fans rightfully so have of this team not winning a playoff game since 2016.
0: Yeah, I couldn't help but think what I was talking about here at the old uh, Seinfeld uh, episode. These pretzels are making me thirsty. These pretzels oh. are making me thirsty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've only seen, I've not seen enough Seinfeld to fully get that reference.
0: Okay. You got, you got, you got to watch that episode. I, hopefully several listening. You know, there's a lot of different ways you could say that line, right? These pretzels. Mm. You uh, know, I would have, I would have enjoyed more. And I think most listening as well too, of, uh, of how he said it. I was looking for more of these pretzels are making me thirsty. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, regardless, I mean, it goes without saying uh, this team needs to not only get in the playoffs and need to win a playoff game or two or three.
1: Yeah, no question about that. The pressure is certainly on. Just to go back to the OC situation, just very briefly, most of it is moot, but Rooney made it very clear this was a Mike Tomlin hire. This was not a Rooney hire. He said he would provide input and bounce ideas, but he put this hire of what becomes Arthur Smith squarely on Mike Tomlin.
0: So if it goes south it's Mike's fault, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, and now do you have an issue with Rooney setting it up that way? Do you think he should have had more of a say in who the hire was to at least hear Rooney tell it?
0: No. Uh let 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 let, let, let Tomlin Tomlin swing his own bat that he wants to swing.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think coaches get should be able to pick their 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 staff they work with them each day or he's not working with Arthur Smith day to day. Um, I do, again, think, and I'm just guessing, but I do think Art Rooney put his thumb on a scale to direct an outside hire and say, we're going to even consider Faulkner and Sullivan. We're going to go outside, and then he kind of let Tomlin decide from there. Uh, But again, going back to the three interviews, I assume that's Tomlin directed. That's a a small search party.
0: Uh, Art Rooney, the second on the running game in 2023, obviously ahead of uh, the the announcement of uh, Arthur Smith. Uh, I think we made progress. I think our rushing attack, particularly particularly down the stretch got to the point where it was what we would hope for. And again, we have sort of a, you know, he used, he used two headed monster a couple of times. I think uh, Rooney did when, when talking to the media at running back, which is great to see in two different styles of back. And that was an asset for us this year. And those guys really helped us get the kind of success was able to make the playoffs. And that's something we want to build on next year.
1: Yeah. I mean, he talked about that, you know, they don't want to, tear this thing down they wanted a coach and they want this team to take steps and he felt better about where this team was at at the end of this year than than last year which i guess makes sense they made the playoffs this year and they didn't last year so that alone is in theory on paper progress um but yeah i mean their their goal is to build off of what they have and and that's going to be their intentions going forward
0: asked about mitch trubisky Mitch, we'll just have to see where we go with Mitch and other spots that might be, be available, uh, there, uh, I, I'll, I'll translate for you. I'll, I'll, I'll translate that for you. <laughs> oh, we're going to fix the glitch. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, he, uh, he had the opportunity to. Uh, opportunity basically to say Mitch was going to be here. Mitch not going to be, or, you know, Mitch is going to be here. Uh, He went, we'll have to see where we go with Mitch. So uh, uh, Mitch is going to probably go down to the basement with his red, red stapler there. Uh, What else uh, hit, hit you here? Uh, He He
1: did. Go ahead. I was just saying, I mean, did, you know, reaffirm what Tomlin said wanting to bring back Mason Rudolph? That'll be the key. I still don't know what his market value is going to be. What the market is going to speak about Mason Rudolph, but but that'll be one of the big storylines.
0: Uh also talked about Cam Hayward. Not that uh, we weren't pretty clear on that after hearing uh, Cam Hayward talk at the end of the season, but the sound it 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 cer- certainly sounds like uh, uh, Cam Hayward will be back in two thousand twenty four. They just got to figure out what they want to do to get his cap number down. And as we've already, I'm not going to spend any time on, I think that's going to be part of some sort of an extension with no new money in the first year to bring that cap number down. Talked about later. And that's the kind of guy that you have in the room and even opened up the option of him being part of the team past 2024. Obviously that would depend on how he plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All like that. But, would uh, expect Cam Hayward to be part of this 2024 team. And that's something that we probably were in agreement uh with uh before Rooney talked.
1: Yeah, I think he'll be back. We'll see the circumstances, but um he'll be back.
0: He claims that he still has all the faith in the world of Mike Tomlin and uh ability to keep the attention of a group of 20 year old kids for a full season, keeping them fighting, yada yada. Uh talked about Mason, we covered that. Uh uh, they're in the process, uh, draft-related, of hosting a draft in Pittsburgh, so maybe that's something to look forward to here in the next couple of seasons here. Doesn't sound like there's any uh, new stadium uh, uh, thing to be uh, talking about here uh, internationally. I would expect this team to play not just one, but probably a couple of uh, games in the next, what, three or four years, right, Alex? Uh, maybe uh, Ireland and Mexico or even Germany. That's that's uh, uh, that's the takeaway from that.
1: Yeah, the NFL is pushing to expand internationally. Um, and so I think all teams will do that naturally. But when mm-hmm. you mentioned know, Mexico and Ireland in particular because of the big fan bases of support there, Rooney's, of course, are Irish, um, huge fan support in Mexico and even Brazil. He didn't mention that, but Brazil has been looked at and there's a big... Steelers contingency out there in Brazil right now. Uh,
0: What else uh, hit you on there? Uh, Talked about the offensive line. That's going to be something we're going to be talking about quite a bit, uh, uh, I think moving on into draft season here, I think we need to be better offensive line. Those guys got better as the season went on. So there's no denying that, but we'll assess where we are. And if there's a place we can make improvements, we will. All right. Uh, center and tackle. There you go. I solved it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see Moody didn't commit to necessarily anything, but I think they're going to do something there, uh, substantial this off season.
0: Yeah, uh, they 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 can't have Mason Cole be the starting center. All, all you know, if he even survives past the March roster bonus date, there, uh, and and they need another tackle as well too. We'll see what happens with the guards and all like that. I would expect say Amalo to stay, but Daniels as well, right?
1: are you, yeah, less, was- or are you
0: less confident there?
1: No, I think I think he will. I was trying to see if he's going to be the ideal fit for Arthur Smith's system. Still thinking about that some, um, but yeah, I mean it was that Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon looking pretty good in the Senior Bowl. That guy might look pretty good in, in Pittsburgh.
0: And I know uh, our own uh, what uh, uh, Jonathan Hightrader broke him down and all like that. And I, you know, I think some people say well, maybe he's a second round guy. Look, if that's your guy, and we've talked about this in the past, round be damned. That's your guy. Go get him at 20.
1: Who was that? I'm sorry. I missed that. Uh, Jackson. Name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the question is just, will they draft somebody out west? And, I mean, it'd, it'd be DeCastro 2.0, the last first round pick they took west of the Missis- uh, Mississippi. So, uh, but I think it'll be on the radar, should be on the radar.
0: Should be on the radar. And if not him, one of those other top centers.
1: Yeah. And it's a, it's a decent center class. So there should be some some names available for Pittsburgh.
0: All right. Uh, handling of the locker room. Your thoughts on on that?
1: Not much to say. I mean, he you know, believes in Mike Tomlin, believes he can win a Super Bowl. I know some people don't, and that, that's fine. Um, but, you know, believes that Tomlin can handle all those things. So still has full trust and confidence and extension will get done when it gets done. I'm not sure when it's going to happen. I'm guessing April. That's kind of when it typically does for Tomlin, but it will get done.
0: All right, is that enough cliff notes on uh, AR2, Bat-Signal Day? You
1: mentioned about the stadium. They intend on staying in Acreshire for, for 10, 15 years.
0: Yep, yep, sounds like it.
1: Okay, so just I know that lease is coming up, I think, in 2030. If they were going to exit that lease, you know, they'd have to start planning that almost now, but they're going to probably re-up that lease and be in, in, in Pittsburgh in their current location for a long time.
0: And a Mike Tomlin extension, he would not divulge when when that might happen.
1: Yeah, just said it will get done when it gets done. Like I just said, I think uh, April, it's my guess, but it'll happen before week one and that's really all that matters.
0: Okay, anything else? We're not going to have time to do reader emails today. We run uh, way, yeah. too, uh, r- way too long and probably a lot of them, uh, a lot of them will probably still have shelf life by the time we get back to this thing on Friday.
1: Maybe even before free agency for Tomlin Extension just to help maybe bring in some free agents just then. The, knowledge of uh, an extension happening with Tomlin, but that's one final thought.
0: All right, man, I really enjoyed this show. I uh, hope uh, listeners did as well. Uh, got into some nuts and bolts and hopefully we painted a pretty good picture about Arthur Smith and, and that was obviously the bulk of this conversation today uh we we've already put in a lot of work and research in this thing already and and still feel like there's a lot of things that we don't know that uh that we'll start trying to break down we got all off season to do it and uh once again if you if you if you get a chance today if you do one thing today uh run and uh to go over to and read that uh, great post on uh Arthur Smith that uh, Alex Kazor put up
1: yeah, thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, I think it turned out pretty well, getting to know Arthur Smith, the person, the coach, and uh, got a lot more to say, got a lot more to talk about, and we'll keep talking about it throughout the week and throughout the off season, of course. All
0: right, send us some emails. Tell us what you think about today's show specifically and and how we handled uh, this and how it flowed and all like that. We love talking X's and O's and all like that. Got to do a lot of that today, even though it's the off season. there. So uh, anything else, Alex, I'm going to get us out of here.
1: Uh, do like reporting no on Mike Munchak returning to Pittsburgh, even under Arthur Smith. Okay. Uh, that's his, I don't know if that's a report or his interpretation, but they're happy with Pat Meyer. I've said that I think they're happy with Pat Meyer with the run game. I wasn't expecting a change, um, but that is uh, some, some, some word there on uh, Mike Munchak.
0: Uh, who is that name of that quarterback's coach that I thought maybe could be an option?
1: Yeah, Pat O'Hara. Uh, I think you'd mentioned. I think Dulac, and I'm getting this on the fly here. I think also said that he expects Sullivan to stay as the quarterback coach. Although there okay. is still the, the jobs in uh, with the Saints and the Raiders where he interviewed to be the OC. Um, but Dulac's belief, whatever that is worth, um, you know, he said Sullivan will stay. All right,
0: and we'll have to find out what happens with uh, Pat Myers as well, too. Right?
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure he's going to stay. Um, okay. But I guess we'll find out it with some, I actually don't know when we'll find out with finale Cause I don't know when anyone's going to talk again, but I think we'll stay.
0: All right. Mike Todd, the mayor of mobile uh, is busy uh, at the senior bowl. And once again, we got a lot of reports and stuff uh, coming out of there. And uh, the thank you to the crew uh, who went to Frisco uh, da- outside of Dallas there in Texas to cover the Shrine Bowl. I think those uh, people are on, on their way home right now, so we'll be catching back up with them. Uh, you can read all the recaps and everything going on at the uh, All-Star Games uh, on the site of SteedersDepot.com. Alex, I got to get us out of here, man. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at SteedersDepot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. Please send us some emails and let us know what you thought about today's show, even if it sucked or Dave rambles or stutters or good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Send them along. Uh, TheTerriblePodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, hit, don- uh, hit the ad-free uh, version uh, button and follow the directions that way. Uh, until Friday, we'll have plenty to talk about. As always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.